This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. <laughs> anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> this episode of The Ringer F1 Show is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It is the Ringer F1 show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, Lawrence Edmondson, and Nate Saunders from ESPN. Join me in the parking lot outside the Monte Grand Prix. Uh, yes, my voice is still hoarse. The good news is these guys are really, really, really smart, so I let them do all of the work. Here's them talking. Thank you to Nate and Lawrence for stopping by. Lawrence and Nate join us. We're here in Miami Gardens, beautiful Miami Gardens. Um, we saw speed for the first time on this track. We've been talking about this track for four years. Uh, first impressions, Lawrence. Um, it's pretty exciting. The walls are close, uh, which number drives drivers found out, and the grip levels are relatively low. So I think when you get to a new track, you always get this element of drivers pushing the limits, finding out what they can do, what they can't do. And we saw a bit of that today. But optimistic i wasn't i didn't know what to expect when i came here but now i'm optimistic that we're going to get an interesting race and we may have safety cars red flags that kind of thing to mix things up are you worried about some of the quotes that came out after the practice session checo perez says there's no grip uh the limestone which is everyone in florida knows what limestone is um but it's basically a a it's, it's our local rock here uh, apparently not great for for uh, f1 tracks um the grip might be a concern lando norris said that similar comments um is this going to be an unusual race because of that yeah but i don't see the problem there because right. it's not like one team is experiencing this so it's unfair in any way i remember when we went to uh turkey a few years ago and the track surface was a nightmare and drivers complained but you know we you, know, you still get a good race they find a way around it and so yeah you know drivers are always going to complain when the grip level isn't what they expect and they have to think about it and they have to go back to the engineering briefing and come up with some ideas of how to get grip from the tires and all that kind of stuff they don't like that but it doesn't mean it's going to be a bad race it doesn't mean it's going to be a disaster as long as the track holds together that's the only slight <laughs> concern as long as the track holds together and doesn't break up 
and actually stops running, which is a very extreme. Well, che- Checo did say that it felt like it was coming apart a little bit uh, yesterday. So that's something to watch, but I think it's going to stay together. Yeah, I, I think so. And they, 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 they did some work on it as well. So yeah. uh, they, they, they put some work in there. Yeah. Um, Red Bull, obviously, nightmare of a day. Max changes gearbox. Um, he doesn't get a, uh, a lap out there. Um, but this is the type, type of weekend that Max Verstappen should be able to dominate. Um, but as we know, he either wins or, or doesn't finish the race. What direction is that? Is that if there's only two true outcomes here, uh, it looks like it might be a not finish the race kind of weekend. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it is funny with Red Bull this year. Like it, that, that, that extreme between the two has been constant. You're right. And I don't know. I think the we kind of we, we saw what happened in Imola and we were all like, oh, okay, well, the reliability issues are kind of done now, yeah. right? They're, they're all fixed. Tip, then, tip, <laughs> tip for the championship. Yeah, yeah. It's they like, one oh, good race. And we're like, fine. Oh, they're, they're <laughs> Ferrari done, favorite. Red Bull yeah. back. Like, so it's it's a reminder that the car's still fragile. But um, yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I, I always feel like with this this season, um, and when you look back at the the uh, issues that cost Verstappen finishing races, there were little signs of problems through those weekends, you know, little issues here and there. So... If 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 you're superstitious, you kind of might think the same thing's happening here. But yeah, it, it, it's always interesting when when Verstappen only gets a couple of laps in. Um, I mean, I think that makes the weekend quite fun because they're riding <laughs> this racetrack, and you've got Verstappen kind of coming into the weekend or coming into the the, the proper weekend, the you know um, Saturday Sunday, and he's still chasing mileage. So that could make it quite fun. But yeah, I mean, if you're Red Bull, you probably have a bit of a sleepless night tonight, maybe thinking about that. But um, I think if they're on top of it, I, I I backed Max before the weekend. I think it'd still be the guy to win. Having seen it now, because Nate, we talked earlier in the week, and we said, "Oh, maybe we should do a preview." And you said, I, "I just want to see the cars out there and and just see what this looks like because it's such a new track." And and there were there were certain things we didn't expect to get out today. Um, what kind of car is is perfect for this track? Do we do we know yet? I don't think we know. I think I think maybe maybe a car that hasn't been invented yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I spoke to Kevin. You mean the Andretti car? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Twenty twenty four. I think um, managed to uh, catch Kevin Magnussen in his press session this evening, yeah. just before leaving the circuit. And um, the joke came up. It was it, he was asked, "Do you like the bit?" That goes under the turnpike, and he said, "I don't know what turnpike means." So yeah, it's perfect. Said, so somebody said the Formula E bit, and he said, "Oh yeah, okay, the Formula <laughs> E bit," because it's you know narrow and it's yeah. kind of it just look it 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 stands out as being a bit strange from what you see in an F1 circuit. So to be honest with you, I don't know, and I think that that to go back to what Lawrence said makes it pretty interesting because they're all learning this track as they go. Um, as we saw with Carlos Sainz, like this, and and a bunch of drivers, it wasn't just Sainz who had the had the off. His was probably the worst off. Um, but it's catching people out. And I can't remember the exact quote, Lawrence might remember it, but the, the guys who designed the track said they wanted this to be a mistake, a mistake generator. generator. Yes. That was it. Especially and, turns 13 through 16. Yeah. And apparently the, the key to that is to make tarmac that's very unpredictable. And, yeah. <laughs> but exactly. hey, if it works, and if, as Lawrence said, it holds together, then uh, yeah, I think that's going to make a great race. And I think that that's what the teams are going to be trying to work out tonight is I don't think it's clear yet whether this suits Ferrari more than the red but when you look at it you're like well there's there's long straights there's twisty bits etc but i think that there's a whole other element to this race that we haven't really seen before at races so it's not just the mistake generator in 13 through 16 where there's apexes where you can't see around and all that stuff that that was by design the pit lane is also quite weird um, Very weird, where yeah. basically it's blind for people uh, complaining about today like how different is that from from a normal track and what what happens uh, when that gets when that gets weird um well it's always concerning because essentially when you've got a pit lane exiting into more or less the racing line, uh, you've got to create some issues. And it's tight. You know, I, I ran the track last night on Thursday no, night. No, no big deal. No big deal. And yeah, I mean, it was a big deal, actually. It was, it was <laughs> a thoroughly exhausting and sweaty experience. 
but it's so much tighter than you think through yeah. turn three. You know, I, I didn't realize the barriers were going to be that close. So there's not, it doesn't feel like there's that far to go. And, you know, that's a fast corner. That's the beginning of a fast corner. And the drivers are coming straight out into it from the pit lane. So, um, look, they'll get used to it. They'll be talking about it now in the driver's briefing with the race director as well. And maybe they'll come up with some kind of solution or something. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's the way it is. But this is this track has been passed by the FIA, like all new tracks are. And uh, I'm sure they've considered it to some extent. And it's just another thing they'll have to deal with. Was it a fast corner for you on your jog? It was not. Because it was early on, and I knew it was going to be a very sweaty and long run, and so I was taking it easy at that point. That's why I haven't run it yet. It would have been I would have called it the slowest circuit in the history <laughs> of F one if I'd run it based on my experience. So I let Lawrence do that for ESPN. You know, I let I let him be the judge of it for the company. So we finally get to have a Mercedes discussion where we're not just using hope as a strategy and saying, oh, they'll figure it out, and saying all these things that where there's no evidence to back it up. Uh, Russell looked quick today. Uh, I. I guess the big picture question, because I keep, every time I have a guest on this show, I ask them a Mercedes question that's way too leading, way too optimistic, and the guest has to slow me down and say, well, you know, they're, they're still, you know, P9 or whatever it is. Um, what do we expect about Mercedes this weekend after what you saw today? Well, the porpoising is still an issue, and I think once everything gets turned up, they're going to be probably just off the pace of, of the front two, but there, there is definite progress there, and what they've got this weekend and what the, these updates are about is knocking some of the uh, drag that they've had on that car from the very beginning off. Uh, so the that's what the rear wing update is all about. It's reducing the drag. And so they, they've got their kind of downforce drag uh, level much more close to it to where it needs to be and, and really where this car should be for them to, uh, to run it. And so uh, they, they experiment, experimented with a few different setup options today. Uh, Lewis and George took slightly different routes. It looked like George's came out a little bit better, but they were, you know, it's a real day working through it. And to then be near the top still after all that, I know we didn't see Max's best lap and all the rest of it, but to then be near the top is promising, but don't get carried away just yet. Would be my <laughs> advice. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to get carried away. Um, Ferrari, uh, at some point, when do we get worried about Carlos Sainz's ability to stay on the track? Because it's not Mazepin, but, you know, it's, it's entering... And it's not even Grosjean, okay? But it's entering territories where we can start to make fun of every single week. Uh, Carlos Sainz can't stay on the track. Uh, what happens at Ferrari if that doesn't get solved? Look, I mean, I'm concerned about it. And I'm really, really surprised about it. Because the one thing we said going into this season when we were talking about Sainz and Leclerc is, well, Leclerc is incredibly quick, but he's a little bit error-prone. Yeah. And Sainz is this guy who's just going to get the job done. And it's just, it's gone the other way. And it's, it must be in his head. It must be yes. a psychological thing. And I don't know how you get out of that as a driver. You know, uh, we, we've seen it with other drivers before. I think it, you know, it does require some kind of reset. The best reset, of course, is a win, a podium or whatever. But the pressure's going up because that Ferrari is capable of winning races. And uh, Science, of course, still hasn't had a win in his F1 yep. career. Um, but, uh, you know, even at the moment, kind of getting on a podium, I have my doubts about just because <laughs> he's, he's making the error, these errors. I mean, what do you think, Nate? Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting when you look back at like Bottas at Mercedes and even Danny Ricciardo last year, like he got stuck into that funk of not mm -hmm. being able to get a result on, and he felt like he could get it. We all felt he could get it. But, you know, and it, it happens a lot in sports, doesn't it? Where somebody, I don't know, you're, you're maybe lacking a bit of confidence. You're overthinking things a little bit. But sometimes when you just get stuck in that funk or you get stuck into a rhythm of mistakes like this. So I am worried about it like Lawrence. I think um, science... Science did come into the season for me. I mean, I thought I, I thought he was an outside bet to be a championship contender when I thought Ferrari had, sure, had sure. the car because I thought he looked so good last year. 
And um, sure. I think that I hope it doesn't turn into a Bottas style situation where he's, you know, he's constantly trying to chase up to a, a quicker and much more consistent teammate in right. a good car. Because at this stage in the season, I think his, his championship is still salvageable. It will still take something quite remarkable to turn it around in terms of Charles and Max, but not insurmountable. If this is still five races time, six races time, you write it off. You know, if you, you've still got to have that glimmer of hope at this point. So I think, and, and, and to go back to the Ricardo example, when he had before Monza last year, you, you know, he looked dead and buried in terms of his confidence versus Lando. Just takes one weekend where a few things go your way, you seize an opportunity and you get that win. So if Sainz can get that, I think that I think I think Sainz has always been very much a confidence guy. You saw that when he was at Renault early in his career and when he was when he was at Toro Rosso as well. He could be very peaky based on confidence and I think Lawrence kind of alluded to it. He can get into his own head quite a bit. Um, so I really hope for his sake, because I really like Carlos. He's one of the, yeah. you know, he's a really nice guy to interview. He's just, you know, just a genuine guy to talk to. Um, and this seemed like such a big opportunity for him. And I think as soon as I always say, I think there's two types of skills that drivers need in F1. You've got to be either good at driving a bad car or great at driving a great car. And those are two very different traits. And I think we can see like with Russell, for example, he's clearly very good at getting the best out of a very, very bad car. You know, you have to drive in certain ways. But the mindset completely changes when you have the front-running car. And if you're not doing the best with it, I feel like you, you must feel like you're letting yourself down. And for Carlos, he's been waiting his whole career for this opportunity and currently it's slipping through his fingers. I don't know if you saw the, the replay of him after the crash, but he was kind of hitting the steering wheel a bit. Like, you can see the frustrations there. Um, so, yeah, I think it's not quite disaster point yet for him. Uh, he's done it probably at the best point in the weekend. You know, if he'd done that in sure. qualifying like he did um, in Imola, then it obviously has a massive impact in the weekend. But pretty worrying for him. Um, and I hope that maybe if we do have a mixed up race, it can help push him up the, the order a bit and maybe give him a, a big result that he needs. Spring is here and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I was thinking about how if you're a new American fan, you started watching in March and you came here, you got to see on your first practice day, all the porpoising. You got to see Red Bull not finish 
and you got to see Carlos Sainz wreck. You got to see all the narratives. Like going to see Rolling Stones and they just play the hits. Like this is, if you, if you were d- described three things about the 2022 F1 season, you'd probably mention that. And, uh, and, and every, every F1 fan who's new got to see it. Um, having said that, what's different about this race? Because a lot of people who came today and they saw cars on a track for the first time ever. And I think there were drivers yesterday who said this is different, special, whatever. Some of it was just ticket talk, you know, calling it the Super Bowl of, of F1 or whatever. Um, but having been to so many of these, uh, what's different about this week? Um, I think the amount of champagne and sun lounges going around, <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's a different vibe. It's, it is a bit more like a music festival or something, like a high-end, you know, high-ticket-priced music festival rather than a motor race. Um, having said that, you know, I think there are still some great places to watch. Uh, I saw uh, a friend of a friend uh, showed me a video of um, of a car going through one, two, and three from that uh, grandstand there, and it's it's a great view. But um, it's you know I, I don't think this is necessarily the best place to watch F one cars. Sure. You know, I, I, we're, don't, we're, I don't think it we're, is. We're, we're not talking you know Silverstone, Maggots, Beckett's Chapel. We're not talking Eau Rouge, but it's a nice little taster. And you know what? If you're there and you're partly there just for the experience of being there, um, you know it's a, it's a perfectly fine place. The weather's good so far uh, to, to to watch motorcars. Do you think drivers like being here, Nate? I do. You you really get the sense from drivers that um, they've really enjoyed this week. We uh, so I used to laugh when F one said we need to create a Super Bowl, twenty three weeks of the year because I used to say the great thing about the Super Bowl is it only happens once a year. But we've heard that said quite a lot this weekend, and it does certainly feel like F one's kind of pulled out the stops to make this event special. Now it is the first one, so I think you always it's easier to make the first event special than it is the eighth or ninth event of a of a race. But this one has felt great. You know, they, they obviously had the opening ceremony. And there's just, there is something about this place. When you walk in here, it just fit. there's a buzz about it. And I think the drivers have felt that. You know, I mean, this McLaren have been doing stuff for James Corden today. JJ sure. and TJ Watt were here. It's not like celebrities don't come to races, but it feels like there's a lot coming this weekend. And they're all engaging with teams in different ways. They've all got great, you know, funky helmet designs. Lando's got the basketball one. Danny Ricardo's got my favorite helmet I've ever seen, where he's uh, the pet detective from Ace Ventura. So they're all leaning into it. And you can tell that it was funny today because I, I almost felt like the, the Friday practice was was almost like an afterthought after the week sure. we'd had. You know, we'd had, all, we'd had all this stuff. We'd had Brady playing golf with Hamilton, all that, all that <laughs> stuff. And then I had to remind myself, like, oh, yeah, we're here to watch them on the, I mean, the, on the, the race. The Super Bowl was exactly like that. On Sunday, you're like, wait, there's a game? It's like, there were oh, so wait, many yeah, great sorry, parties is, on Friday. This is why we're here, yeah. So it has felt like that. And, and yeah, the drivers are really enjoying themselves. And, um, you know, once they, once they get in the car, it's another race weekend. But you can really tell when they've been interviewed. You know, they've all been grinning. They've all been enjoying themselves. So, yeah, I, I think they love it. And I think this is going to go down as one of their favorite events of the year. Sure. Whether it goes down as one of their favorite tracks of the year, I, I agree with Lawrence. I'm not sure it's going to be up in that same category. But the event might be so good for them that it's, it, you know, the vibe of it kind of keeps them coming back every year. So... The news of the day, I put news in quotation marks here, is I was surprised to see Lewis Hamilton walk in. He scootered in to the press conference wearing three watches, uh, every necklace he owned, uh, everything, basically everything that was in his jewelry box uh, was on him because the FIA has said they were going to start banning that. Um, He said he has two piercings that can't be removed. Um, One of them is in his nose. One of them is in an undetermined place that he did not, he said he could not uh, reveal. So... We'll, we'll quickly move on from that. Um, and then everybody else said that this was uh, overreached by the FIA, um, that uh, Seb Vettel wore underwear to protest some of the new uh, clothing regulations. Uh, this is going to get worked out, right, guys? Um, yes, it is, I think. <laughs> but uh, it is fascinating. There's so much more to it than just what it seems. Because 
you know, this jewelry rule, this underwear rule has been in the FIA's regulations for as long as most of these drivers have been racing, I think. So um, oh, it's, it's a, it's always a re-emphasis. been there. It's a re-emphasis. It's, and the it, NFL and, loves and, doing that. And, and it's, it's a kind of reminder that actually we are going to take action here. But it does seem, certainly the jewelry stuff seems pointed at one particular yes. driver. And let's be honest, Lewis Hamilton and the FIA have not been on good terms whatsoever since the end of last year for all the reasons we know um and uh, i think i think you know there, there is there is an element of that uh, I, I think that's coming through and i think that's the way lewis sees it you know for lewis to turn up and make that statement <laughs> he was basically saying they're like guys don't forget to ask me about the jewelry i've got something to say on this and he was very clear he said fine if you you know if you want to take my jewelry out i won't race i'll go and do something else yeah. in miami yeah. nick devries can have the car and uh yeah you know and that's such a big statement it's very rare you hear a formula one driver say that it, uh, I agree with all of that on, on Hamilton. It was interesting talking to some of the other drivers as well, because yes. this is actually, it has become like a story about Lewis, but there were two interesting quotes. Pierre Gasly said, that he, religion, he, yeah. religion, yeah, that he, I think he wears a, um, uh, a cross around his neck and he said he's never raced without that. He'd feel very uncomfortable racing without it. You can imagine why. And Kevin Magnussen, again, the, the press session I mentioned, he said, this is the first time since he got married, he's raced without his wedding ring on. And he said, it didn't feel right. He said, if something happened to me, in the car, I'd want my wedding ring on. It wouldn't feel right to have it on. And he said, I don't mind, you know, if I did get burnt, I can, I can deal with a tiny burn on my wedding ring finger. So a few, like a lot of the drivers are kind of support Lewis on this, you know, and they think it is kind of petty. And I agree with Lawrence, like it does seem, it, it, it seems a weird time to board it up and it does seem aimed at Lewis, but I think Lewis is, uh, he's in a good position with it because a lot of the other drivers kind of think it's nonsense. And, and on Vettel, I mean, if, if, if there was any evidence needed that Vettel's kind of just thrown in the towel on, <laughs> I, I don't think the, the guys, he's just like, I don't give a damn now about anything here. You know, I, I feel like he's just kind of like, this is stupid. I loved him walking down the paddock in, in those, un, in, in the underground. He's and amazing. You can, yeah. You can tell he's kind of, he's kind of just saying, look guys, this is really stupid. And I, yeah. So yeah, uh, I, he's amazing. I mean, he wore, he went to Carroll city uh, yesterday to talk to kids where uh, it produced Many Hurricanes great, Santana Moss, uh, Rick Ross, the rappers from Carroll City. Like, that is, that's the place you go to establish Miami cred. And he talked to the community there. Um, he wore a global warming shirt to the opening yeah. on Wednesday. Like, he's, he's entered, he was already in a different phase of his career, but it feels like this is just, this is just him now. It does. And uh, I, I, I find him so endearing now as a person. Yeah. I mean, I think when he was at Red Bull, I think whenever a driver is dominating F1, it's easy to dislike them or, or maybe dislike the wrong word, but it's easy to root against them. And then at Ferrari, you know, Ferrari, he, it was frustrating when he was there because they had those two years when they could have won the championship and we didn't really hear much of his activism. And if mm -hmm. we did, it was kind of, we didn't hear it that often. At Aston, I guess he's been away from the front and he's had a chance to do a lot more of this stuff. And yeah, he's talking about it all the time. And, you know, he's, I think he's always the guy. He doesn't, I don't think he cares about the ramifications of saying stuff. And Lewis has always been similar for that. Absolutely. He, just, he just says, a, a bit like Lewis with the jewelry today, he's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, are you really going to, are you really going to tell a seven-time world champion he can't race? And, you know, Vettel's in the same boat. So yeah, big fan of Vettel. I think if, if, if he does walk away from F1 at the end of the year, that'll be a big loss for F1. Because at the moment, he's kind of probably the, the most rootable, root forable. I think I'm making up English words. Well, likable. Likable. You can just go likable. That, that was such an easy <laughs> word to use. So I don't know why I didn't use that. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, Vettel at the moment, I'm a big fan. So Gunther Steiner talked yesterday about some of the new race leadership and, and how maybe there was, uh, you know, some, I don't know, I don't know how you'd phrase it. Um, there's a feeling out process um, over the first couple of weeks and that. Are these rule changes maybe just miscommunication between race leadership and drivers? Is it just them putting in stupid rules to feel powerful? Like, what, 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 what is this? Um, it seems a little bit like the race directors, or mainly Niels Wittig, the, uh, the main one we've had so far, um, 
just laying down the law a bit and saying, sure. you know, this is a new era now. You know, it's no longer the Michael Massey era. This cool. is, this See, this is seems, my era. That seems stupid. And, 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 and you know, <laughs> and, and things have changed. But it's also very strange because I remember at the start of the year, some of the drivers saying that they hadn't had a sit down meeting with him yet. And, you know, this was uh, ahead of just ahead of the first race. You're like, how has that not happened by now? You know, the race director is so important. I remember Charlie Whiting. Uh, he was so successful in that role because everybody liked him and everybody and he was so approachable. All the drivers, if they had an issue, they could go straight to Charlie, talk to him. The teams, you know, the, the door was always open. The emails were always answered, apparently usually within about two or three minutes. You know, it was remarkable, whatever time of day. And it's, it's, it's a very different approach that they're taking. I think personally, I think it's the wrong approach. I think yeah. the way that, that Charlie did it was, was the right way. Of course, you're never going to replace Charlie. He is irreplaceable. But I, I feel like they've gone too far the other way. And I don't really understand why. And to me, it does seem political. Um, you know, and... I'd love the FIA to turn around and say otherwise, but the FIA, you know, from a communications point of view, are staying incredibly quiet on all of this. You know, they just send out the statement and they just say, read the statement. That's it. Two quick ones for you. We'll get you out of here. Uh, first one, is there a mid-pack team you saw today that it's going to do better than we think? I think, I mean, I'm always rooting for Haas in these situations. <laughs> and um, we were actually talking about it in the media center with a few people. I don't know if Mick has got a handle on the car, but I think I think came out was top 10 in both sessions. Um, I could see them kind of pushing up to that kind of third, whoever the third team is here. Um, so I'd say them. Um, maybe that's not such a surprise anymore, Haas. I don't know if that's kind of no, allowed. it, it, it but, definitely um, is. But I think, but but from what Magnuson was saying, and from from just the the general vibe of the team down there, I think Haas is going to have a really strong weekend. One same question. Um, uh, I was looking a little bit. I've, I've only just glanced at the long run data, and uh, Alpine looked fairly strong. So um, long run data is always a better uh, gauge, really, of, of what's going on than single laps. And uh, yeah, the Alpine kind of looks fairly similar to the Mercedes. So you know, I think those two could actually end up in a scrap. Uh, as much as I'd like to see the Mercedes up there with the top two, and I feel like they're going to be closer. I feel like yeah, that that third spot is still going to be what they're fighting over. I can't think of anything more valuable than a race prediction on a podcast that posts fifteen hours for qualifying. Um, but we're going to do it. Uh, what do you guys think happens Sunday? In terms of the top three for the race? Sure. Um, yeah, tomorrow's going to be fascinating from the Red Bull perspective with, with the car issues, but I'm going to say Verstappen wins, Leclerc second. I think something that Lawrence said earlier was, was pretty accurate. I, I don't know whether Sainz is in the right mindset right now to finish in the top three. So I'd put a Mercedes there, probably Hamilton. I think a weekend after after he's been told that you know all, all this nonsense or, or DeVries. DeVries could be yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoever's in whoever's in the, the car that isn't George Russell. But this, you know, to not to not not to dwell too much on, on Hamilton, but this is kind of the, one of those weekends where he kind of the performance is always very, very good after it. You know, he he's got a point to prove. Brazil last year, I mean, it was one of the most impressive things I've seen when I've covered a race. That was obviously very, very different, but he felt like the FIA was out to get him that weekend and I think this weekend, he, for different reasons, he feels the same way. So, yeah, why not? Lewis, Lewis back up there and I'm um, happy to revisit this in 48 hours and see that I'm spectacularly wrong on, on, that, on that call. Lawrence? I'm going to go bold and say science victory. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets it all right. Like, turns a corner, turns a page in, uh, in his season, uh, takes a victory. Uh, Lewis Hamilton second and Sergio Perez third. And we're going to wow. see... I, I just feel like this place is going to offer up something different. And I don't even know if I'm being... Uh, dramatic enough there. I don't know whether I should put in a midfield team in the podium, but um, I just got a feeling something's going to happen here and it's going to be different. Um, and I hope I'm right, but I'll probably be wrong. <laughs> but this does, like, um, Baku has yeah. always thrown up surprise results. I think this is going to be a Baku-style weekend. And I mean, 
the good Baku. You know, we we had two two or three good Bakus, and we had two ba like bad Bakus. I think those ones which were just pure chaos. Yeah. Um, I think we could have that here because you know the, the the track's new, and as we talked about, there's there's all those issues with you know the, the grip, the tarmac, yeah. etc. So that is it is a recipe for a great weekend. So if you're a midfield team right now, I think this is a perfect weekend to be a midfield team with a with a fairly quick car because you might be up there come the end of the race. We mentioned all the glamour of the race. We've spent the last 22 minutes in a grass parking lot uh, adjacent to a to a what looks like a bunch of bulldozers here. Um, so thanks for joining me. Uh, see you guys tomorrow. Thank you very much. <laughs>